Hey, good morning. Hope everyone's doing well and excited to be with you all this morning on this holiday weekend. So uh, this morning, I'd like to talk to you about glorifying God in second chances. Glorifying God in second chances. No matter who you are, at some point in your life, you've been blessed with a second chance. You've been blessed with a second chance. Um, when I play sports, I'm thankful for a second chance. I don't golf too often, maybe one time a year, and it is so stressful when I go up to that first tee, you know, the guys you're with kind of eyes on you and, and, and you go to swing and, and you're just praying, please, please go well. And you swing it and you whiff it. It's just, it's absolutely terrible. Whiff is a technical term for your club is moving, but your ball is not. And uh, that's what happens to me. And then so you, you look around and of course everyone saw it happen, uh, but they kind of make the motion that it's okay. You can have a mole again, you know, you can have a do-over, and that's, okay, that's great. And um, that's a type of a second chance that you might have. Uh, but that's not the type of second chance that I want to talk about this morning. What I want to talk about this morning is the second chance you get when you've made a major life failure. You've really messed up. And it may be in the area of finances. You may have blown it on your job, your career. You might have messed up an important relationship in your life, or you've just plain had a moral failure. So these are kind of the devastating um, mistakes that you can have in your life. It's inevitable we're going to face those. But the question is, what are you going to do with your second chance? What are you going to do with your second chance? There was this young couple named Jennifer and Johnny, and, and they were, you know, a young couple. They just had their first child, and um, once the baby was born, um, kind of created a little difficulty in their life. Their income dropped by 50%. Their expenses went way up, and on top of all of that, they made some very poor financial moves. They kind of became off balance. If you've been listening to the uh, series over the last few weeks, we use that term, you know, off balance. And, uh, well, it turns out that they maxed out all of their credit cards, and it got to the point where they couldn't even meet their minimum financial commitments. They were devastated. They were at a really terrible, terrible spot. Well, Jennifer's parents was nice enough to co-sign a debt consolidation loan and pay off all their credit cards and give them a, a second chance. And things were great for about three months, but then one, one evening, Johnny came home driving a brand new minivan into the driveway, so purchased that. And then just a few weeks later, Jennifer kind of made this spur of the spur decision to buy some new furniture for their house. So it was inevitable that they would max out their credit cards 
once again, and now they were in deeper than when they even started. Just, just an awful, awful situation. So they did not honor the, the sacrifice that Jennifer's parents made. They were given a second chance, but they blew it. I believe from the Bible that it's God's desire that we take full advantage of any new opportunity we get. When we get that second chance, God wants us to react to that in a way that doesn't disappoint, discourage, but actually glorifies God. And so that's what, that's how we come up with the title of the message, glorifying God in second chances. So uh, we're primarily going to be uh, in Jonah chapter 2, but I'm going to bounce around a little bit. And so the first point that we learn from Jonah is that we are to, if you're taking notes, be grateful for God's mercy. Be grateful for God's mercy. Just that we're thankful that we're getting this opportunity to fix things and, and make them right again. So let's kind of rewind in chapter 1 of Jonah. Maybe many of you know the story. I love this story. This is kind of one of those Sunday school lessons maybe you've heard a million times and you just can't get enough of. Um, and so, so the book, chapter 1 starts with the Lord giving a word to Jonah that he was to be a prophet to the land of Nineveh. So the Lord asked him, go to Nineveh, prophesy against their sin that they might repent and return to me. So that, that was it. In chapter 1, we don't yet learn why, but Jonah heard what God asked him to do, and he did 180 degrees the opposite. God said, go this way, and Jonah went that way to escape from God. I believe that Jonah went on travelocity and kind of put in where is the furthest place from Nineveh and it came up with this great resort place called Tarshish, you know, one of these. So, so Jonah went, decided to go to Tarshish to one of these all-inclusive sandals resorts. That's in, that's in the Bible, right? Yeah. So he decided to go to Tarshish, which was a resort area, and to escape there to get away from God. So he needed to get on a boat. So in the town of Joppa, Jonah entered the boat that was headed to Tarshish. So he went to the bottom of the boat. This boat didn't get too far from shore, but Jonah was going to learn a really big lesson that you can't run away from God. You can't run away from God. So once they're off the shore, the Lord sent a very large storm upon this boat so much that the boat was ready to break in half. The sailors on the boat were afraid for their lives. They woke Jonah up, made him come to the main floor of this great boat, and it became revealed that the reason for the storm was that God was punishing Jonah for running away from him. So Jonah told them, the only way that this is going to get fixed, the only way you're going to save your life is if you throw me overboard. And they, they relent. They didn't want to do it at first, but the storm got so bad they had no choice. And Jonah was thrown overboard into the stormy sea. 
left for dead. So that's the setup for where we begin today. And so if you want to take a look, um, we're going to take a look at this first section of scriptures beginning in Jonah 1, 17. And I'm going to read that to you now. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. And the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers, they swept over me. I said, I am banished from your sight, but yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. And to the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The Lord beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up. From the pit. So, in that first verse of chapter 2, Jonah in his prayer uses the word distress. You would be distressed being thrown overboard in a storm, and he mentions in such detail, it's just, it's just absolutely horrifying the way that the currents in the water swirled around him, these strong waves on top of him, and then he began to sink, and he has seaweed now engulfed around him, and he can see the bottom of the sea itself. He calls them like the roots of the mountains. Jonah was running away from God, and this is where it ended up. He feels like he's done for. He feels like he's dead, and he is absolutely hopeless. You know, when we mess up in our life, when we're in that broken location, when, we're, when we've just really messed up, we can feel like Jonah did in that water. We can feel like we are drowning ourselves. Maybe you can relate to those, those words. He needed somebody to rescue him. About two and a half years ago, uh, a retired pastor friend of mine, he went, his house was right on a small, small lake, so this is late fall, a cool evening. So we went out on this boat, maybe 50 yards from the shore. And on, I don't know why he did it, but he, he leaned a little bit too far on this boat. And all of a sudden, all this water started filling in from the side of the boat. And he felt he had no choice but to just roll out of the, the boat or everything would just sink in. So here he is on a on a fall, very cold evening, now he's on the side of his boat, hanging on for his life. He needed someone to rescue him. Thank goodness he had a neighbor who was looking out the window, saw what was happening, and he immediately ran out, threw a rope to, to Larry, pulled him in, saved his life, and he had to go to the hospital. The ambulance came. They had to warm him up, but he was... He was fine. This is a true, that's a true story. And uh, the, the point of that is that 
you and me, we can get ourselves, we can get ourselves into situations we can't fix on our own. We can really get ourselves into a jam. That was the same as Jonah. Jonah needed someone outside of him to rescue him. And the Lord, because of his great love for Jonah, the Lord sent a great fish to him to rescue him. And you might be saying, this very large whale or something like that coming to swallow me does not sound like a good thing. Where Jonah was in the water, left for dead, he was grateful this fish would be his rescue and save him. And sometimes we see what's going on around us. We don't understand any of it. And the thing is, sometimes from our perspective, everything looks wrong. There's nothing right in this circumstance. But that's what God promises to us. If we are a believer in Christ, that everything that happens is for our good and for his glory. And that's where Jonah, Jonah was. And that's something we need to remember in our life. It's painful. From our perspective, it may look wrong, but God's doing something in us and through us. In Hebrews 12, verses 5 and 6, uh, it's a pr pretty good example of that. It says this, And it, you, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Yes, it's painful, but God is at work in you. He wants to change you. There is a purpose. And so, so we see, especially in verse 6, J Jonah saying at the end of verse 6, You, my Lord, have brought my life up from the pit. He was grateful for that second chance that God gave him to try again, to have a redo in, in his life. We need to be grateful and take advantage when God blesses us with an, another opportunity. You might be wondering, why does God do that? Why would God give us a second chance? This point number two is so that we might seek after God, so that we might seek after God. In verse number seven, I think that's kind of the pivot point, this kind of um, decision point in Jonah's life. It says this, verse 7, When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. See, everything that Jonah went through, this was kind of a hinge point for him. Rather than thinking about himself, his eyes were now focused on what God wanted for him. What God wanted for him. You know, when we have difficulties many times brought on by our own behaviors and sin. God wants us to use that to change, to be more like Christ. And that requires, when we're in the midst, when we're drowning, when we feel like there's no hope, what do we do? We need to, the Lord wants us to have humbleness. He wants us to do soul searching. And most importantly, he wants us to seek after him. He wants us to seek after Jesus. That's the answer. 
He wants to change our hearts. And that's really what it is. When we are responding to our second chance, we have two choices. We have two potential responses to a second chance. The first one is we can continue to run away from God. Jonah could have done that. He could have kept going, right? But he didn't. Same with us. We, we may be so quick to go back to our old behavior, but, but God's saying, no, don't do that. But we can double down and, and continue to not do what God wants us to do. That's what we need to avoid. We want to do what number two is. We need to respond by drawing near to God, by drawing near to God. I think Charles Spurgeon, uh, the great preacher from from England said it great and apologize for the 150 year old English but it's such a great quote and there's kind of two parts of this quote I want want us to see the first part is this a hypocrite when afflicted by God resents the infliction and like a slave would run from the master who has scourged him let me stop for a second there when we are given an opportunity for a second chance we may want to blame others we may want to feel sorry for ourselves we may want to do everything in the world but look within ourselves and that's what this talks about one who would double down to not learn the lesson god has for them but i do love the second part of this quote it's not true it, but not so for the true heir of heaven who kisses the hand which smote him and seek shelter from the rod in the bosom of the God who frowned upon him. Or let me say this in another way. Imagine a young child who's done something bad in the home, and the father of the home has to discipline the child. And so this kid's disciplined. So the kid comes to the father and says, Daddy, I'm sorry. I won't do that again. And the father looks at that that child with love and mercy and says, son, daughter, I forgive you. I forgive you. It's going to be okay. That's the way I see, see that verse. But so many of us are so quick to go back to our old ways. My wife and I, we get the privilege and honor of mentoring individuals, couples, doing like marriage counseling and that sort of thing. And it is, it can be just a wonderful, wonderful thing. But it is just so disheartening when you, when you see someone that's going through all the pain, all the difficulty, and, they, and they, they don't take advantage of that opportunity to fix themselves. They, they, they continue to double down with their bad decisions. It's, and they go through all the pain, but they don't learn the lesson that God wants to teach them through that difficulty. I think Proverbs 26 says it very well, and I apologize, I know this is close to lunch, uh, but the verse says this, as, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. And that's such a repulsive verse, but I think it's kind of a picture of how, how sad it is when someone returns to their old ways their old addictions, their old bad behaviors, their own negativity, and don't learn what God has for them. So by looking at Jonah's story, we know we don't want to be that. We want to seek after God. And you might be saying, 
You know, seeking after God is very hard. It's hard to change bad behaviors, bad habits, and all of those things. It's difficult. And, and really, it can be hard to make important godly changes in our life. But the great thing is God says to us, you're right. You can't do it on your own. You need me. You need my spirit working in you. And I love Matthew 11, 28 through 29. Jesus calls us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We just need to come to Jesus, say, Jesus, I'm sorry, and repent of what what you've done, and the Lord will say to you, I forgive you. It's going to be okay. So as we embrace God's will for our life and seek after his will, the third point is that we rejoice in God's victory. I know point one was that we are grateful what God's done to us. That's kind of this internal. But point number three is rejoicing. That's the external where we just say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you've saved me from. Thank you for giving me the victory. And you just worship God. You rejoice because of what he's done uh, for you. We see that in verses 8 and 9. Let me read those now. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of joyful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. See, Jonah, after all he went through, how God changed his heart, now says, with shouts of grateful praise. He was rejoicing in what God has done in his life. Um, We've talked the last number of weeks about Dave Ramsey's financial peace. If anyone's watched that show on on the radio or TV, um, there's this awesome thing after someone's been on his um, baby steps plan where they finally pay off all their debt. And some of you are like, well, I've never been there. But they're you stick with his plan, and you get to that point, you pay all your debts off, you can go on his show, and there's this awesome thing they do, they call it the debt-free scream, where, where you say, I'm debt-free, and everyone claps, and it's just a celebration that you have that burden lifted from you, and if you're in that class, I pray that that'll be you one day, but what we're talking about here is just knowing that that. God is the source of your happiness. God is what's going to get you through your second chance, and you just rejoice. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me. I am so thankful. And so so this is the prayer Jonah had inside this great, great fish. And then in verse 10, it says this, And then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Isn't that amazing how God is in control of everything? The fish's mouth, he knew exactly when it was time to do it. The Lord commanded that fish, and it was time 
because Jonah's heart had been changed. Jonah was ready to glorify God with, with his second chance. Let me just read a few verses from chapter 3 to show you what happened next. And this is really, I think, kind of pulls the whole story together with Jonah's new obedience. It says this, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. See, when your heart's changed, doing the right decisions are, is easy. And it's just so amazing, and we're not going to talk too much about it, but chapter 3 talks about Jonah actually going to Nineveh, preaching what the word that the Lord gave him, and it is what some, some theologians call the greatest revival in human history. The king proclaimed a fast that no one in the entire land would eat, that they would just repent of what they've done, including the animals wouldn't even be fed. So talk about a miraculous repentance in that city. And it was all because of the obedience of Jonah, what God did in his heart. He glorified God with this amazing second chance that he, he was given. If you read chapter 4, you'll see Jonah is not by any means a perfect person. He still has some slip-ups, but he glorified God, and I think there is just so much we can learn from this text here in chapter 2. When we are given a second chance in our life, it is a gift from God, but it's so easy to mess it up a second time. So I just pray that when you get that chance, you will be grateful you will take that as an opportunity to seek after God and just rejoice in the victory he's given that he's already won for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for this, this story in the Old Testament, Lord. You know, thousands of years old, but yet, Lord, so, so important for us to hear today, Lord. And I know that that today, Lord, our lives are a series of second chances. And, and Lord, maybe, maybe there's someone here today who's about to go down that same path that they went before and not learn their lesson, Lord. I pray that this word from you would, would help them to change their direction and make that right. But Lord, maybe there's someone here in this room, even this morning, who has been running from you their entire life, Lord. They've been running for so long. Lord, I pray that if some man or woman like that here today, that they would experience what happened with Jonah, that they would, they would have this defining moment that would make them make that change to trust in you, Lord, that, that they may come to you and, and repent and know what it means to seek after you. Just like when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus and said, and he, and he was trying to answer the question, how do I have eternal life? And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. So Lord, if there's someone here who's never had that defining moment, that, that date, that moment where they went from death to light, 
Lord, I pray that today would be that day that they would make that commitment to you, Lord, and you are so loving and you are so caring that you would, you would accept them, that you would say, you are forgiven. It's going to be okay. Okay.